0: Well, good evening, everybody, or good afternoon or good morning, depending on where you are in the world right now. This is Ben Hart of the SHIFT Network, and very happy to be with you for the next hour as we have our passionate citizen-intensive Q&A call with Kat Zavis and Rabbi Michael Lerner. Thank you both for being with us.
1: Thank you so much, Ben, for having us. This is Kat, Mm -hmm. and I thought I'd start us off, before we jump into questions, just with a moment of presence meditation grounding so that we can uh, really be present to this moment and not in any other moment so one of the simplest meditations exercises I have for that is the following so I'm going to invite everyone to just close your eyes for a minute feel your feet on the floor if that's possible or on the ground and just allow yourself to settle into your body take a couple deep breaths and when you let go, just feel yourself landing, if you will, more into your body into the moment and then take a deep breath in and as you breathe out let go of any thoughts you have about the past anything that you were thinking about before you came here anything you're worried about from the past just take a deep breath in Breathe it all in. And then as you breathe out, just let it go. One more opportunity to breathe in the past. And then breathe it out and let it go. Now on your next in-breath, breathe in anything you're thinking about that you have to do after this call or tomorrow in a couple hours just breathe in that future and now the out breath just let it go you can always get back to it later it's not going anywhere so let's breathe in the future one more time and when you let breathe out just let it go And now for this last breathing exercise, we're going to breathe in the present moment. So Breathe in and let yourself be filled up with this moment because this is the only moment right now. This is it. This is all we have in this moment. So breathe that in and fill yourself up at the present moment. And as you breathe it out, feel yourself sinking into this moment, into your body, into the earth. And again this present moment and imagine this moment this passionate being that you are filling up every cell and pore of your body and as you breathe out permeate it throughout your body so that you're filled with passion and wisdom and presence for this moment <sighs> I'll just open it up for questions for uh, Rabbi Lerner and I about the course that we're offering. We're very excited to be offering this course. So, Gabin, um, yeah, I'll turn it back over to you.
0: Great. Well, thank you both. Beautiful opening to our call, and thanks everyone for being here. So, um, those of you on the phone line, if you want to ask a question, you can hit star two on your phone, and that will raise your hand. Again, hit star two. And those of you on the webcast, you can go ahead and type your questions in there, and I'll be happy to read them out for you. And just a reminder to everyone that if you want to uh, look at more at the course to help um, help bring your questions about, just seeing the curriculum over the ten weeks, or if you want to go ahead and register, you can go to passionatecitizencourse.com. Great, well, we have some questions already coming in, so let's dive in. Um, first question for you two: Someone's asking, how do we get? past the voice inside that tells us we need to be realistic and usually sways us from our idealism
2: and dreams of helping to change the world.
1: Mike, well, do you want to in uh, with that one? Yeah, I
2: mean, I, I think the first thing to do is to um, uh, recognize that that voice is happening. And um, because um, <clears throat> the moment you can recognize that voice as um as a um socially conditioned voice that is not based on any evidence but is simply based on the um the vision of what reality is that the media that the um that our educational system uh that the politicians have all together managed to create inside of you You have a a major, take a major step in overcoming that, that sense that, um, fundamental transformation is impossible. Now, in the course that we're doing, we're going to go over and reflect on some of the, um, social movements and how they've operated in the face of that demand to be realistic. Because the truth of the matter is, is that there has never been, any significant social change that has happened that hasn't first been greeted by um, the rational uh, and the established um, forces in the society by the chant, it's not realistic, it's not <laughs> realistic, grow up, grow up or you'll all fall down. So every, so, so every, that is the chant that, that everybody gets no matter, no matter what change has happened. It's always been greeted at first by the, by that. Um, and, uh, one of the, the, the amazing things is, is that afterwards, some of the very same people who have been giving that chant, uh, or the variations of that chant, not in the form of a chant, but in the form of sage advice, the wise, uh, the wise men of the society, it's usually the men, uh, wise men of the society, the David Brooks, the, um, if you know him a New York Times columnist, the, uh, um, the Tom Friedmans, Another New York Times columnist, not to mention all the more right wing but it's actually much more the liberals who will give you that uh that story um that uh um there's there's um no um uh no movement that doesn't face afterwards these same people turning around and saying. Oh, this was inevitable. It was always going to win it 's just based on the reality of the time and uh there was no way that it could stop um what's always uh undermined and undercut is the powerful need for um a prophetic individuals and courageous um courageous uh, uh ordinary folk who say. I don't care whether it's realistic or not in your eyes. I know that I need to live in a world that has this kind of kind of transformation in it. And I will fight for it. And this is the, the bottom line on, in regard to that issue. You will never, ever know what is possible until you are willing to fight, to struggle. I don't mean to physically fight. I mean to struggle, to to put your life energies behind what is desirable. You'll never know what is possible until you struggle for what is desirable. And um, when you do, it often turns out that the things that seemed impossible um, begin to look possible. So that's a step in the direction of uh, conversation that we will have in greater depth during the training.
1: I want to jump in at one thing, Ben, if that's Okay.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, I'd also like to add that we'll also, um, there's a big, a large, a big, a huge manual that will go along with this course, and we'll be asking people questions and some self exploration. And part of the self exploration, we'll be asking people where they've heard this voice, because we've all heard it in our lives, and to engage with it um, as another way to overcome the voice that tells us we have to be realistic. So there'll also be some exercises. Mm-hmm. Great. Along those lines. Right. Great, thank you both.
0: Beautiful. I see a number of folks have joined us just in the last few minutes. So I just want to reiterate for everybody that those of you who may have a question on the phone, you can hit star two to raise your hand. Again, that's star two. And on the webcast, you can just type your questions in. All right, well, another one here for you. Someone's saying... I know so many well-meaning activists who share their messages with such aggression that even I, who agree with them, have trouble listening. How can I share with them other ways of communicating that don't alienate others without putting them on the defensive?
1: Um, so I guess I'll, I'll jump in first here on this one. Um, That's one of the things that we'll be talking about in the course is how to approach people in a way that's compassionate. And I believe that one of the first steps to do that is to become curious um, rather than trying to convince or fix or change someone, but to really genuinely become curious about their approach. So if you're talking about somebody whose approach seems more aggressive or in your face, if you will, and thus not as effective and and put more off putish then first to approach those folks with compassion, with curiosity, with understanding, to try to understand what is leading them to speak in that way, to engage in social change in that way, without trying to convince them at first, <laughs> because if you if you notice when people try to change your mind. Um, or convince you that you're wrong, you tend to get a defensive response. And it's it's uh, often automatic. And we have to learn to overcome our defensive responses through mindfulness practice, through self-awareness, through process of witnessing oneself. Um, and so when we are engaging with others, we want to try to engage with them in a way that doesn't elicit immediately their defensive response, but to really approach them with curiosity. So. Curiosity would look something like um, so you seem you seem really passionate about this, and I'd like to understand what's driving that passion. Can you talk to me more about that and hear what's underlying the anger um, because when you hear their passion and what their concerns are, what are their fears, what are their upsets, then they will soften, <laughs> they will be heard and understood, and through a conversation not an instantaneous transformation, but through a conversation, you might then be able to share some of what's going on for you, which might look something like, I just feel concerned when you approach social change in this particular way, and you might want to give an example of what that looks like, that it might be difficult for people to hear you, and you might really be more successful if you approached it this way. So that's kind of an idea of how you might begin that conversation and dialogue.
0: Mm. Great. That sounds good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Great. Let's see here. Another question. Um, Looks like someone's calling on the phone line. Um, I think you may be on a Skype line, so I can't see your name, but if you just raised your hand, please go ahead. You have the mic.
3: Sure. um, My name is Randy um, Shankett. I've been intrigued, with I I listened in last week, and uh, I so respect what you've put together. I've been on probably a pretty intense um, inner journey for the last four years, um, and I still have a long ways to go. Uh, And and I guess I kind of wonder, what what do you see in in terms of coming out of the course and, and keeping us focused on our inner work?
1: So I wanna, I'm gonna just, um ask you a quick question. I wanna make sure I'm understanding the question correctly. So, it, I'm gonna reflect back what I'm hearing to make sure I'm getting it. So what I'm hearing is that you wanna, it sounds like you wanna make sure that while, um looking at social transformation that there's still practice and opportunities to also stay self-connected with one's inner work. Is that, is that what you're getting at uh, in your I,
3: question? I, yeah, I think so. You know, I, cause, I mean, I've heard ideas like, you know, stay open, stay curious and it and and they're they're wonderful adages, but it seems that there's something about what has to internally change in us to live that and not just take it on as a mm. kind of a way to be you know, a know yeah, you know kind of i mean yeah. i'm 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 in a different circumstance as an advocate for my sister who's been in a hospital for five weeks, and I'll tell you a lot of times. I lose some of this loving compassion in this innate right. helpful system. <laughs> right.
1: So, yeah. So, one of the one of the weeks will actually focus a lot on, and it will it will be specifically focused in on one week, but it will also be weaved throughout the entire process, which is um, coming back to compassion for ourselves first, and and actually learning tools and skills to do that. And um, my belief and my practice and my teachings have always been grounded in, I can't actually be compassionate towards another if I'm really um, upset and triggered or angry. Or um, So I have to actually first come home, if you will, to myself and become curious and compassionate with myself and, and learn to witness what's happening in my body and to notice when I'm starting to feel Um, triggered, if you will, or upset and and have the skills and capacity to respond to it sooner and sooner. And so that will be part of what we do in the course, and there will be opportunities to practice that, and there will be exercises to practice that every week. And so the inner work is um, part and parcel to and integrated into, if you will, the external or outer work.
3: That sounds great. Uh, Just a kind of another a a follow up question, I guess, in a way is 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 it an intention of of this of people that are participating that it looks like you have a wonderfully you know designed outline and we talked about the manual that that people will have access to. Are are you intending that that people take it back and try to do training in their own local areas or,
1: Um, you know. That is a really good question, and I don't know that we have the answer to that yet. I think some of it depends on people's capacities and skills. Um The intention is definitely that people take this back into the communities and try to get people involved in you know idealistic, really visionary transformation in our society and help people move toward that, whether that involves trainings or whether that involves study groups or advocacy groups or those are things I think that will emerge in conversation through the training.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to say just to
1: um, understand, um,
2: uh, we d- do think that some of the people on this training may have the skills to be leaders of and trainers themselves, and this is step number one. But we have to get to know know people, and I think that probably there will be at least some second step. Um, in which we are more face-to-face and um, before we can say you're qualified to be a representative of this training. But this is a critical first step in that process.
3: Mm, That makes a lot of sense to me. Great. Thank you. Great. Thank you.
0: All right, let's go over to the webcast again. Um a question here is asking, could you speak on transitioning with passion from working to semi-retirement and letting go of fear and instead getting one's joy through service?
3: Mm.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly um a central issue that um that um a whole lot of people in the society are on the verge of facing or already facing right now um because we have this uh huge number of people who are the baby boomers who are now at that at that point. I think the um one thing that I'll say about it and i, I again we're we're um all of this is promissory notes for what will actually happen in the training um but so we're giving short little responses rather than trying to do the training here. Um, one thing I'll say is that the the critical question, or a critical question in this transition, is how to retain or how to develop a sense of meaning and purpose for one's life um, that is no longer dependent on the uh, financial success or the job security. Um, that comes comes from um a career or a a job uh, that one has had up till now, now, of course, exactly how that plays out is very different for different people, depending on the degree of their own financial security at the, uh, as they enter into retirement and uh how long that can hold and we don 't want to pretend that we know the future of the economic system but we do know that um that a lot of people a lot of people are going to be in much more economic insecurity than the, than they had expected than we had expected because i'm one of them <laughs> so i'm in that in that category as well um but the um uh, the issues of retirement uh are in part connected to how alone Each of us is in our retirement. And here, the question is not whether you have a good partner or not, uh, though that's certainly helpful. But the critical question is, are there other people who share your sense of purpose and meaning? And are they willing to be real allies? And how do we get people who actually have that desire but have no way of yet conceptualizing for themselves uh, what they might do? To get other people to feel like they are on the same trip with you on the same in the same process and to share some of their time and energy with you that's a that's a question that we want to deal with in the course of the training um and um but it's definitely a critical question um getting people to um to you see it's, it's not enough to get people to go out and golf with you. Uh, not even enough to get people to go out and bowl with you. It's—it's it's, um, there needs to be a framework of meaning that gives people a sense that their lives still have, or I say still have for those who've had such such through their work. A lot of people don't have that through their work. A lot of a lot of people don't have that through their work, and are looking forward to retirement. For the moment in which they might have that might get a sense a higher sense of meaning and purpose, and of course, being part of the network of spiritual progressives, being part of a, a social change movement, being part of a movement that affirms the values that are shared across many many division uh, otherwise di- divisions in the society is um, one way, one important way in which that can happen, so um, I hope that gives you a sense that uh, that this is a question we're really going to be thinking about in the, in the, and talking about in the, in the training. Kat, do you want to say anything there?
1: No, I think you covered it nicely. Okay. Great, thank you. I mean, I could talk to the fear aspect that we'll be addressing, too, because fear permeates. Okay, I guess I have something to say. <laughs> fear permeates <laughs> lots of things in our life, including choices around retirement, but not only in we will be exploring our fears um, and how we might, I I guess I would say, dance with them and play with them and overcome them so that we actually are more empowered. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, sounds good. Well, Thank you for all the questions, everybody. I see a a long long list of wonderful questions coming in on the webcast here. Um, So another question is, how exactly can we bring our spiritual values of love, kindness, generosity into discussions with conservatives in a way that we won't be dismissed as a lefty tree-huggers? Is there a new languaging we need to try to adopt to really be taken seriously?
2: Um, well, the first thing I'd say is um, go out and hug a tree. <laughs> it's a good experience. <laughs> so so if, if, they're, if they're dismissing you for that, you might as well um transgress and and get the benefit of it by by actually connecting to uh, of course I'm using that metaphorically, um, to say, um, spend some time actually celebrating nature and um and um developing inside yourself that capacity to respond respond to nature, a lot of people on the right, when they um, use that kind of language, you know dismissive language, um, do it in part because they 've never heard anybody in the liberal or progressive world talk about um, uh, the holiness of the universe and how important it is to to um, To respect, and let's say, if you're talking to a right-wing Christian, to respect um, God's creation, and um, very rarely have they ever heard anybody in the the liberal or progressive world talk that way. Um, So um, it's possible to, uh, without being betraying your own beliefs, to be able to think yourself into. the what's going on for that person and be able to affirm what you can uh with um conscience and uh, integrity what you can affirm because what what um people are doing when they're dismissing you in that way is um also dismissing central parts of their own tradition um and uh not uh, not aware of it and so you being aware of it is one way that can make a breakthrough for them is when you start to affirm, hey, there's something about the, this universe that elicits in us awe and wonder and radical amazement to the grandeur of this creation. And um, aren't you somebody who feels that sometimes? Because I do too. And so um, uh, maybe we have a common basis or common ground here. But I'm going to cede this to now to Kat because Kat is an expert at figuring out how to find that common that common ground
1: <laughs> um well i i mean part of what you just said michael is so spot on it's beautiful and i i think that when you try to talk across differences it's really about finding the shared values that we all actually have and often and this gets back to the question um and conversation about fear um we are We are operating out of fear, and thus we often are reactive or defensive instead of operating out of a place of hope, possibility, even love, dare I say it, um, so that if we reach out to people who we perceive to be different and we might even create enemy images of and find the shared values around a sense of belonging, around a sense of meaning, around a sense of purpose. Um, Those are places to begin. I also find that ways that I connect to people across um, differences, if you will, is, again, by going back to being curious and asking questions that then allow them to share um, their deepest yearnings, their deepest truths, and using their language, and it's not... Sometimes it's not at all different from my language, sometimes it is, but it's but underlying differences in language are shared common desires and yearnings for peace, for for um kindness, for generosity. It might it might look different. How we get there might look different, but the ends often aren't very different.
0: Mm. Mm, that's great. Thank you both.
1: And let me just add one more thing here, Ben. We will have opportunities in the training to actually do role plays around these things. So people will be able to bring into the training, you know, John said X. How do I respond to that? How, how would I actually do what you're talking about, Cat and Michael? And we would have these opportunities to actually do some role plays and explorations.
2: And, and also some time for you afterwards and between each session to go out and try it out and and come back and say no it didn't work here's why it didn't work here's what they said and I didn't know what to say or here's how they defeated me and then you know because it, this is it it's not easy stuff it's it it takes um, psychological sophistication and um and uh we're offering some of that and um but doesn't mean we know every answer to every situation and it's also the case that there are some people in which you just aren't going to move and you aren't going to get through to um but there are enough that you could that one of the things that you need to also uh learn that we hope to be able to teach a little is how to um pick the people who um uh can be moved and to not feel too frustrated at the people who you can't move.
3: Mm.
2: Wonderful. Thank you both. Beautiful.
0: Let's see. Another question that just came in um, is, would you say that the cynicism so prevalent in our society is actually the intellectual side of despair, that people are so tired of being disappointed that they're afraid to have hope in fear of the pain of being disappointed again? And how will the course help us through the fear of being disappointed again?
1: Mike, do you want to run with that one first?
2: Sure. I mean,
1: uh, <laughs> I mean you've just
2: written a lot yeah, about
1: this. So some
2: of the people who are asking these questions are great. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're yeah. so <laughs> smart and, and and insightful, and and it's what a wonderful place to start from. Um, mm-hmm. With with uh, with people like the ones who are on this call, um, this is going to be a, a really fun and deep training um yes that's exactly right um it is and what we what we'll do in the training is try to go through some of the things that happen to make people feel that uh, that um disappointment and to help um help people um differentiate between um what's legitimate in their disappointment and what is um a uh, a um disappointment that may be seen or reframed in a different way so that um so that the disappointment does, doesn't get generalized to the whole human race um there are um there are real disappointments certainly the um what's happened uh with the Obama presidency uh has had such moments in which many many people who supported him have felt disappointed and uh and have felt uh despairing um, and um at the same time we're, there have been some good things that have happened some so, uh, some things that uh were valuable to have achieved um, and so it's important to be able to um to be specific about one's disappointments to help people um to to um, affirm what was correct in disappointments and at the same time to not let it get totally generalized. And how do you do that? Well, that's part of um, the role playing that we'll do in which we try to give you techniques for being able to um, help people not deny their feelings, not, not say, oh, you're wrong to feel that way, but rather to help them uh, narrow the sphere of their disappointments so that if they don't yield a general cynicism about the possibility of transformation.
1: And so I'll add. I'll add um, another component to it: is the um, space for grieving and mourning um, the disappointments, the upsets, the expectations that have been dashed and lost, and allowing ourselves to actually tap into the grief of that. I I have this belief that um, in our culture we're not great at mourning and grieving, and Often push it aside, Um, and you can see this as young as uh, parents with children, like "Don't cry, get over it, suck it up, move on." Um, And when we do that, what we're really doing is um, is allowing a wound to not fully heal. But if we open it up and allow ourselves to grieve and mourn and tap into our grief, from that place there's incredible power. From that place there's a rich compost on which healing, repair, and transformation is possible. We will be disappointed again. <laughs> Let's just take that as a given. We will be disappointed again. It will happen. It happens in personal relationships. It happens in the world as a whole. The question is, how do you respond to that from a place of power, rather from disempowerment and becoming um, just stoic and turning away from the incredible calling of the universe um, to transform our world. And I believe that one of the components of it is to allow ourselves to feel the disappointment, not to get stuck and wall- wallow in it, but to feel it and move it through us and move on from that place.
0: Mm. Nice, thank you. I really appreciate the way you two weave together. There's a, a real synergy in, in your responses, it's really impressive. (laughs) Thank you both.
3: Thank
0: you. So another question here for you is asking could you speak to how I as a white woman can be an ally in ending racism without adding to the problem by unconsciously playing out my privilege?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll jump in first on this one. Um, This is such a rich question and conversation Um, and one of the things that we're going to be talking about is what does it mean to be a spiritual leader and what does it mean to be a leaderful full group and a follower full group and how do you bring all that to life in movements and in organizing and this is a component of that in the sense that I think it's really important to find ways to be an ally without um, giving up your own power (laughs) and giving space for others' power. And one of the things that can happen in in movements and in work is to assume that um, you're always a- either either acting from privilege or that somebody who's been more oppressed than I might be might actually have all the answers. And the truth is we're all imperfect, perfectly imperfect beings, and we're all unhealed healers, And having the capacity to engage in the difficult conversations, to um, share what you believe to be a healthy path toward transformation and question things that you think are unhealthy and really be willing to listen to differences and listen to where people are sharing with you where they think you might not be hearing them or might be using your privilege in a really unhealthy way and to be willing to look at that but also be willing to question it. Um, so that it's not just simply, um, a call that, oh, you're using your privilege. It it may be true, but it may not always be true. And so how do we create that dance? And I think the only way to create it is through open, honest, skillful, Compassionate conversations, Michael, do you want to add to that or
2: no I think um that's um beautiful and uh uh it's the kind of question that I don't think i um I want to try and deal with right now because I think that it's that it's it takes a many sided uh consciousness uh, you know to both. Affirm the suppositions that the that the question is based on, and at the same time to be able to not fall into an, an uh, excessive guilt-ridden approach that um, that uh, is also immediately suspect uh, by the people, both by the people that you're wanting to. to uh, help understand the nature of racism, but also by by many of the victims of uh, of racism uh, as something that doesn't really serve their interests so much. So it's um, it's a complicated uh, dynamic that we need to to spend um, a good deal of energy thinking on all the different different angles, because uh, frankly nobody has gotten this entirely right, ourselves included. And, um, and yet it's a, a central and critical issue that we in the training have to deal with because we in, as social change uh, tr- um, people who want to transform our society have to recognize that, um, that the um, transformation is not going to happen without dealing um, head-on with the racism that surrounds us.
0: Yeah, great points. Thank you. Let's see here, we're in the last 20 minutes or so of our call, so please send in your questions if you have any more. Um, Another question that's here for you both, someone's sharing, a progressive activist that I'm working with is persuaded that corporate power is the supreme cause of all or most of the ills we perceive. My problem with that is that it leaves me personally without a meaningful path forward because I can't see how I can impact corporate power. Any thoughts on this?
2: Well, um, I certainly um, I uh, think that this is a central issue that we are going to be dealing with in the training. So, the I mean, the first thought to say is um, yes, you can. There is a way to have um, an impact on corporate power, um, and um, there's even though it looks huge, but <laughs> Corporate power is not as huge as sexism is and and um the women 's movement uh had a very powerful impact on sexism, not eliminating it yet, but making major strides in that direction. We can make major strides in the direction of democratizing our economy and um uh and we have some specific ideas about how to do that and also some ideas about how you can become effective in doing it at the same time um we don't want to um uh claim that uh everything is about corporate power um there's also a lot of things that we ourselves can deal with in ourselves that give us a lot more capacity to act to transform in the world um, I wrote a book about 20 years ago or 30 years ago, I guess, maybe, called Surplus Powerlessness. And surplus powerlessness is based on the the following recognition. There is um, real powerlessness in, compar- in comparison between yourself and any huge corporation, much less the whole of corporate capitalism. There's obviously a huge differential of power. Um, but there's also surplus powerlessness. And surplus powerlessness is the degrees, the way in which we bring our, our own set of feelings about ourselves and about others and our own set of ideas about the world into the mix and bring, in, at times, bring ideas and feelings that disempower rather than empower. So um, we are going to be dealing both with um, the objective reality of, um, of a differential, dramatic differentials in power between us and the, the uh, system that we want to change, but also the surplus powerlessness that we bring to it and, um, and how to undermine that surplus powerlessness as a step in the direction of uh, challenging corporate power and democratizing our society. Great, thank I w- you. Anything about it? No, I didn't
1: think you covered it.
0: Mm. <laughs> okay, another question here for you. Um, it looks like you're addressing many issues around the world. Will you also be addressing addressing the current Israeli-Palestinian conflict?
2: There's no way not to.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: It's because that conflict has a great deal to do with um, American foreign policy and uh, what's going on in the world. And um, um, so, yes, and uh, uh, you can't shut me up on that one because <laughs> I've written two books about it, it's the most recent one called Embracing Israel and Palestine. And um, definitely we'll, we'll uh, spend time trying to help us uh, you the people who are being trained to get a handle on how to talk about this issue and uh, we've also done some training just on that topic just on how do you talk to people um, who disagree with you about Israel-Palestine because it's so explosive from any side of the issue, no matter what side you're on um, there's the uh, the second you dare to share any kind of thought that doesn't um fit with uh, the thought of the person who's, who you're engaged with you suddenly tap into a well of explosive emotions and so um so Kat and i have done some trainings to help people deal with that issue and to um, to learn how to talk to people, no matter which side they're coming from, in a way that um, that opens them to uh, more rational thought on it. Kat, do you want to?
1: No, it's not. Um, I think the question may have come from the fact that, unlike certain other topics, this particular topic wasn't identified as one of the issue fo- focus. Of the week oh. issues uh-huh.
2: um
1: but it will be it will be integrated um probably most specifically into the discussion around the global Marshall Plan as one of the places where it could be very effectively implemented and um and I think probably in the week on empathy we might engage it there as well, so yeah mm.
2: great yeah i mean mm-hmm. i I'd, I'd be in favor of giving a a, a good amount of time in one of the sessions to to dealing with the difficulties there. Yeah. Great. All right. Another
0: question for you. What are some of the best ways to take small steps toward making the difference we envision, especially when we already are so busy struggling to balance the demands mm-hmm. of our day to day life?
2: Well I'll start with by, just by saying this um the the ability to um uh to not participate in the recycling of despair and cynicism that holds most people down um and instead challenge it in, in a loving, kind, generous way. To challenge that cynicism and despair is something that each of us can do a hundred times a day without, <laughs> without, you, you know, without even walking uh, outside one's, you know, one's normal group of, of interact, uh, of people you interact with, uh, because it's all over the place. And, um, so, um, little steps are absolutely critical um to moving the society and um i mean we're we're not uh, of the the ilk that think um that there's only one thing to do and that's to um storm the winter palace to to um storm the government or something like that. We don't believe that that's the that's the way there's got to be lots and lots of of little steps of um of helping people overcome. Their, the cynicism and despair that they feel, as part of the process, that's not all that we're in favor of, but it's a, it's definitely an important part of what we hope to be the skills that you'll get in this training.
1: And I'll just add um, another, maybe smallish step is one thing that we believe is really important in creating this transformation is consciousness raising, and so there's lots of. "Quote unquote" small steps that can be taken along that way, including um, sharing with people calls such as this, or Tikkun Magazine, which people can learn about it, Tikkun, T-I-K-K-U-N dot org, which is um, our magazine that's, that um the natural network of spiritual progressives has been an outgrowth of. That really talks about and shares amazing articles, both on the web and in the magazine. Um, of visionary transformative um, possibilities for the world and um, consciousness raising and education and so sharing that with folks is another really easy step by a gift subscription for people to read. Start a once a month reading group um, which would be really fun to talk about the issues that are discussed in the magazine and think about think about it. So those are other some other small steps that I think people can take beyond feeling like oh I have to go to every protest and I have to write every letter and you know um consciousness raising is really important um in addition to helping people get out outside of the despair but to see um what's possible and how we might get there.
0: Mm. Great. Thank you both. We've got time for a few more questions, so please send your final questions in. Another one here for you is, uh, do you have any thoughts on how we can function within a capitalistic society that seems so broken while at the same time trying to reimagine and rework it? It feels like trying to dismantle a plane while it's flying, so I often don't know what the path forward is.
1: Hmm. I think that, um, it's, it's such a great question because it, it speaks to the despair and hopelessness while also the desire and the hope for transformation. And, um, when I think about that, I think, well, there's there's different paths and things that need to happen for this transformation to really happen. And one of which is to protest and challenge the systems and structures that are creating these problems and to speak, speak about them and be out in the streets about them and challenge them directly through direct action, nonviolent direct action and other tactics. And that's one path. Another path is to create alternative systems in within the, the current structures that exist to the extent that we can. And so there's people talking about public banking. Um, there's lots of cooperative businesses that are being developed to create an alternative business model. And then there's the the kind of third component there's probably more but a third component is the visionary transformative worldview um, to put forth this is where we're headed and this is where we want to get to and here's steps along the way and this is we're doing various components of all three of these but right now I'm speaking to our the ways we talk about this third aspect which is to put out this worldview, this vision of where we want to get to, with concrete steps to get there. And so some of our proposals are those steps. And so it's kind of a combination of recognizing that we're, we're in a system and in a society that's really messed up and, and that really needs transformation. And to find ways to challenge that, to create alternatives, and also to be putting forth a world view so people can see a really transformed, a different way of living and being beyond where we are now. I'm not sure if that answers the question, but that's um, one way that I like to think about it. Michael, do you want to add anything to that?
2: No, I think you did a beautiful job, and uh, um, uh, these are... um, there isn't one uh only one strategy possible, but um there is a way of um of building uh, alternatives within the framework of the existing reality that are um that eventually become strong enough that they can uh, play a role in replacing the existing reality without causing a plane a plane wreck. <laughs> mm. Yeah.
0: Nice. Thank you. Let's see here. Another question is, um, it seems like most people try to only think about politics when an election is taking place or something really significant that they don't agree with happens. What are your thoughts on working with elected officials and being engaged year-round? How can we do that effectively?
1: Oh, I think that's critical. I, mean, I think that's I mean if you think about corporate power that 's what they do. <laughs> I mean not only do they give money but they 're constantly knocking on their doors, constantly talking to them um, and I think that if we can build rapport and relationships with our elected officials, that we will be more successful in helping them understand and see the needs of their constituencies i mean the more that elected officials are um, playing in the sandbox with the 1%, the more they actually see the world that way. And so even if they enter office, I might think of Patty Murray, Senator Patty Murray from Washington, who entered office kind of as the sneaker sneaker soccer mom. She wore her sneakers and she was a soccer mom. And and I've seen some of her choices lately in policies, and they're anything but what I would envision a soccer mom's policies and votes would be. Um, including supporting fast-tracking of the TPP. So, um, And why, why might that be? Well, part of it might be is because who's she hanging out with mostly, not with soccer moms anymore. She's hanging out with the people with money and power. And if we can get elected officials to hang out with regular folk more and see how regular folk live, how the 99% are struggling and how they're living and how they're trying to make ends meet, then, their world view shifts; it becomes more in alignment with the reality of the majority of people and so working with officials and helping them elected officials and helping them understand and see the actual reality <laughs> the on the ground reality of how life is I think is critical and and so being engaged is important and not so easy and not always so fun but um Definitely important work to do,
2: and we do that in our network of spiritual progressives. So um, we've um, we've developed some programs that we are um, in touch with various people in in um, in the Congress and in other places to talk about how to reframe what they're doing in ways that um, uh, correspond to their own deepest values because um one of the things that um uh, that we've learned is that many of the people um who are really good decent people uh in um in politics um feel like that they are all alone and they don't know that there are uh, where that there are so many other people that would really stand up with them and share Share their values, and so they also get into cynicism and despair. And, um, at first I thought, uh, when I first heard that from people, I thought, nah, that's not possible. That's just baloney. Um, that's, that's just silliness. Of course they know. But, um, uh, as we started to engage in rather systematic conversations with people in the Congress, we'd often hear something like, oh, well, we got, you know, we had, so many uh, people telling us um, position X and and so we'd ask well how many people with so many and they'd say well we got 20 letters or 20 phone calls 20? wait a second don't, don't you have hundreds of thousands of people in your constituency? Answer: yeah but nobody ever writes us except when they have the special personal problems they rarely communicate to us about what they, they feel and one of the powers of the um APAC for example or other um other uh, organizations that reflect positions that we don't particularly in um support um is that they have managed to get their people to um their supporters to reach out to elected officials in a consistent and very strong language um way and that actually has an impact and um so um uh, I mean, we are not primarily uh, – I mean, we're not an electoral organization, and we're not endorsing candidates. <clears throat> um, and, um, but we definitely um, believe that it's important to use um, the opportunities that present themselves to speak to elected officials as a, a part, not, not the main part, but a part of the strategy of transformation of consciousness.
3: Hmm.
0: Wonderful, thanks. All right, it looks like we have another phone call question here. I can't see your name, but it looks like you're calling from a Washington State number. So if you raised your hand, please go ahead.
1: Yes. Hi, this is Sharon Abreu in Washington State. And um I don't really have a question. I'd like to just make a very quick comment, which is that I got involved with the Network of Spiritual Progressives in two thousand three and it has given me more hope than any other organization I've been involved with because it is so holistic and because it brings in spirituality and it's just it brings in every element of what we're grappling with together so that we don't have to fraction off and try to you know, I was so tired from trying to put out a thousand fires at the same time and Here's a way we can do it in a holistic and practical way and feed our spirits and learn how to communicate in compassionate, effective ways at the same time. So I just wanted to add that to the mix. Mm.
2: Beautiful.
0: Thank you so very much. much. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. (laughs) We have time for one more quick question. Um, Before we do that, though, I just want to draw everyone's attention back to the course page. So if you have any other questions about the upcoming course, you'll see the whole... Ten weeks laid out there. This is at passionatecitizencourse.com, passionatecitizencourse.com, and along with the ten weeks, you also see the bonus package that's there. I just want to bring people's attention to um, one of the bonuses, which expires tonight. Those of you who sign up by tonight at midnight will receive the um, dialogue between Cat and Thomas Lindsay on the role of interconnectedness in social change work. Um, so, those of you who are interested, please check that out. And, again, this is all at PassionateCitizenCourse.com.
2: Great, I'd like to so, add, uh, hey, yeah, uh, sign please. up. Sign up for this thing. It's worth it. It's really, You will not be sorry that you that you got into this training with us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well <played>. I agree. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, a question that came in that I think is a, um, a nice way to complete is someone's asking could you share one or two things that you see happening right now that are giving you great hope for the future?
2: Uh, I, can give you, I can give you one, um, and that is the, um, uh, and there was a story about it, I think, either in today's or yesterday's New York Times, um, the, the tremendous outpouring of support for, um, for Elizabeth Warren, and trying to get her to run for president, that she 's not going to do that but um but there 's huge numbers of people who, even though they thought there was looked like there was no chance that they were going to succeed, nevertheless um, uh engaged in um, a process of signing petitions and sending them around to other people so that uh, hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people um, jumped onto that bandwagon when there was no bandwagon even so uh, that's just one little little thing that um gives me a lot of um reason to feel like there's a lot more out there than than the media normally reflects
1: and i would say the um movement towards gay marriage has for me been a really inspirational hopeful movement it it who would have thought 5 years ago that the right to marry for gay and lesbian people would sweep across our country, let alone Ireland, in a public vote by about 70%. And, and the way, part of the way that happened is the discourse changed from one about their, their legal rights to one about love. We want to build loving families just like you. We want our children to feel the security of knowing that the economic structures in our country support our families just like they support other families. And when people start to see that, when people start to connect with those needs and with start to see people in their communities who are families, then the movement shifted overnight, basically. And um and when I look at that, I think it's possible to do it around capitalism and around love and kindness and generosity beyond um an issue as narrow as that and as important as that so that for me would be Mm. great thank you really really beautiful
0: wonderful well everyone thank you so much for your fantastic questions and again the Passionate Citizen Intensive is beginning on Tuesday June 16th so you can go to PassionateCitizenCourse.com to learn more and to sign up and would either of you like to say any final words to folks who are thinking about joining you
1: Um, I can say that we've been putting a lot of time and effort into this course, and it's going to be really rich. And hearing these questions and folks who seem to be interested, I'm really confident it's going to be a really rich, um, wonderful group, and I'm really excited about it. So That also gives me hope.
2: Yeah. And I'll say that um, the skills that you'll get will be useful in a wide variety of spheres of your life. I mean, if you never, ever uh, got involved in doing any organizing, although we hope you will, uh, the skills that you'll get in this training will be useful in many other spheres of your life as well. Hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for this hour.
0: Total total pleasure and look forward to going deeper with you guys soon. So, um, yeah, thank have a beautiful rest of your evening and thanks everybody again. And again, you can go to com. Great. Well, bye for now, everyone, and uh, we'll be with you again soon. Thank you.
2: Bye-bye.